So let's let's have a Manhattan because I feel like things are gonna get things are gonna get heavy here. So I don't want to say anything inappropriate. I can do mild cursing. Is that correct? Is that allowed? Oh, you can say anything you want. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, and uh, since you're a congressional short timer, you can. You, I, I'm calling this episode Denver Unplugged. I love it. Not Bigfoot unplugged. That's Bigfoot unplugged. Well, that's that's part of the part of the story. But first, I have to. Uh, our sound man would like yes. a cocktail. Yes. Oh, thank you very much. Well, we got a toast, don't we? Yeah. Here soon. Do you want to start with a toast? Yeah. Cheers. 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 To uh, to Bigfoot erotica. To Bigfoot erotica. Cheers. That's right. To. Uh, Chest thumping good times. <laughs> so you are the author of a brand new book. I am. And I have my greasy little hands on a copy here. Is this available to people yet? It is on Amazon. Uh, it's about to be released on Barnes & Noble. Ebook coming out on both two. And an audio book, which I start taping tomorrow. So um, I, they wanted to have a professional guy with a silky voice do it. Like, no, you need the inflection. You know, when you're talking about, you know, people tent swapping in the middle of Olympic National Forest, you got to have the right tone. Yeah. So that, <laughs> so I want to make sure that I they And, know and that. you're a you're nuanced in, in tone. <laughs> in tone, very nuanced. As you know, I'm subtle. Yeah. You know, very hard to read. I very, feel like you, you know, have one tone, and it's 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 eleven. It's, maybe it's you know when you're when you worked at the National Security Agency for so long, and you know you were behind the you know the green door, so to speak. And I know that means other things, by yeah. the way. But uh, when you're behind the door for so long, you can be charismatic, have a great time. But uh, there is one way on military intelligence, right? And it's get the job done, have a good time. And and I brought that into Congress. I thought, and I thought people would respond to it. I think they did in some ways, but in some ways, you know. They didn't so much. So uh, there you have it. Yeah. So there's um, in this book there's a there's sort of a gotcha moment, and I'm I'm going to start with that. Sure. You, you don't know this is coming. I don't. Um, and you may storm off set after I ask this question, but <laughs> you know you're 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 in the middle of the woods. You're in the Olympia Forest yep. um, with a bunch of folks looking for Bigfoot. Yes. For for reasons that I can't explain your wife is still married to you after you dragged her into this experience. That's right. Um, we can talk about that prank later, you yeah. know. Fifteen I, year marriage gonna take her to Hawaii and pranked her with a Bigfoot expedition. Not the best move I've ever made. Yeah, you're still paying the price I for am. that. Yep, sixteen years later. Um but but your fellow uh Bigfoot seekers discover that you're a former NSA operative or whatever you call yourself. That's right. Field officer, I don't know what. I NSA, they found out I worked for the National Security Agency, and uh, they were talking about everybody, what everybody did for a living. And, and that first night or night before, I'd talked about some of the things that I did. But, yeah, they uh, they started, I think, to get a little leery. Yeah, but but you, you were asked straight away, um, is there a government file <laughs> at the NSA yes. about Bigfoot? Yes, I was. And you never say no. <laughs> you never say no. You're like, I don't think so. I didn't see it. But you cannot categorically tell us tonight on this show that the government does not. I'd be lying file. if I'd be lying if I said that. Yeah. And uh but that's what I talked about in that chapter, which is one of my favorite chapters, is the 
thousands of intelligence caveats that are out there, right? And I wanted to sort of learn people up on the fact that, hey, you know, there's there's signals intelligence, SIGINT. There's human intelligence, HUMINT. There's communications intelligence, COMET. There's even, um, you know, nuclear type of intelligence with radioactivity called RENT. Uh, there's acoustic intelligence, which you have acoustic. Um, you have all these different intelligences. And what I wanted to explain to people is that there's so many caveats and need-to-knows and so many layers and compartments and so many stratifications of clearances. I would never know. Um, but the other thing that I did point out is that maybe there is an analytical Sasquatch studies intelligence called ASCENT. And maybe with ASCENT, you know, we could find it. But what I wanted to prove into the chapter is that it's very difficult to prove these type of things. But what, what really fascinated me about that individual is that he was absolutely sure without a shadow of doubt with no proof um, no real tangible proof that Bigfoot existed and on multiple planes. And I think that's what, what people will be surprised about this book is, as me and you, Matt, have talked about this, you've exposed the Bigfoot erotica fraud, you know, that uh, came out from newspapers. But it really comes down to is that people are easily led or believe things based on some prior set of belief systems. And um, that's why I think people will be surprised about this book that, it is really an intelligence analyst look at, you know, different types of folks and what they believe in. Um, side note, this is the best rye that I've had. Cheers to that, brother. Not <laughs> not made. So, so I, I, American whiskey to me is like there's Kentucky and mm-hmm. then there's the rest of the United States. That's right. And sometimes uh, whiskey's made in other states for technical reasons I don't understand are just not that great. And you guys have cracked the code and are making beautiful bourbons and rye whiskeys. And uh, congratulations on that. Thank you. And a lot of it's my wife, as you know. And my daughter's a master now with her Scottish education that she got in fermentation and distillation. And, and again, um, by the way, you know, some of this book was written as I was drinking. I know that might be a... I'm shocked. I, I know you're shocked. And yeah. I, I know that's a revelation. It'll be on the morning news tomorrow. But uh, some of this book was with bourbon or other types of spirits at I, hand. I believe it was Ernest Hemingway who said, write drunk and edit sober. Can, <laughs> I we, might have, can we I, fact check that? I might have done that backwards. <laughs> and if so, this is a hell of a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so... Uh, but yeah, that that was an interesting guy. Um, and, I, and that chapter was a chapter that I wrote. I'm like, hmm, you know... How far can I go? But I do explain the entire intelligence system as far as how you break down caveats. And, you know, and again, I think um, what I dealt with with these individuals, what I dealt with in Congress, what I've dealt with, and you know my, you know, with QAnon and stuff like that, there's certainly parallels. And uh, I think that's why this book, again, I think is going to, I think it's actually funnier. I think it's actually more humorous and more amusing than actual Bigfoot erotica. I do. So so right now, um, people that don't know this story are wondering why I'm talking to U.S. congressmen <laughs> about Bigfoot erotica. So I want to take a step back um, because the context is why this, this book That's is, right. is, is, is important. That's right. Um, you ran for Congress in 2018. Yes. And your opponent, whose name escapes me at the moment. Leslie Coburn. Leslie Coburn. Whose daughter is Olivia Wilde. Yeah. Yeah. Her mother. I mean, her mo- yeah. so I ran against Leslie Coburn. Yeah. yeah, Leslie Coburn's daughter is Olivia Wilde, and she's now married to Jason Sudeikis, I believe. And you were like uh, sort of target number one for, for the Democrats because it was uh, this particular district, Charlottesville. Open seat. Open yeah. seat. It was viewed as a swing district, and they found 
in old tweet, I guess, between you and your buddies, um, joking about what's what's documented in this book. Yes, um, your your somewhat disturbing hobby of of thinking about Bigfoot too much, <laughs> um, and and she accused you of writing a uh-huh. book about Bigfoot erotica. Yes, and the like, she just made it up. Made it up. Like there was no, there was no documented evidence that any such thing was true. No. Um, and I remember at the time, like we, we happened to be making a documentary with you and your wife, Christine, about, about bourbon, Silverback Distillery. Right. And we were goofing around and, and I asked you about Bigfoot and Christine's like, no, shut off the cameras. Do not let him talk about this. Well, she was right to say that, yeah. obviously. Well, it's, but... But it, it was um, we we had that footage, and and clearly you were sort of uh, you you're definitely a Bigfoot scholar. Mm-hmm. You know your shit. Like, I do. You really do. Um, but it, it it was anything but erotica. So we ended up uh, releasing that. Like I'm, it was wonderful. I'm a click hound just like anybody else. So I'm like, <laughs> we got the scoop. Denver Riggleman <laughs> talks about his Bigfoot fetish. Um, yes. But it it all like. Um, the silliness of it all, yeah, is absurd. And I like before I we uh, came up here, I, I googled uh, Denver Riggleman Bigfoot erotica, mm-hmm. and I found an L.A. Times headline from the the day after you won the the election. Yeah, um, that Bigfoot. I think I think it was something to the effect of Bigfoot erotic <laughs> devotee, now what? member of Congress. Yeah, brutal. And it's like. Th- Made up. It's, it's it's sort of a precursor to the sort of the kind of the media clickbait bullshit that we see today. Like people just make stuff up, and you used to sort of count on. Sure, candidates can throw mud at each other. That's I guess that's fair game. But right. but the idea that the L.A. Times, a paper of record, at least at one point, yes. just throws it up there and like, well, let's go with it. It's going to get lots of clicks. So and and you know the the night of, um, I remember I got a phone call. 7 p.m. the night that she tweeted this. And it was from my consultant. He goes, Denver, you're going to be number one on Twitter worldwide tomorrow. I'm like, why? Because with that Instagram stuff where, by the way, I mean, I told exactly the truth. I mean, yeah, Bigfoot's been a running joke since I pranked my wife in 2004. I mean, you know how many people thought that was ridiculous, you know, and they think it's funny. And so, um, you know, and I had written this book over 14 years. Um, looking at Bigfoot belief systems because it was very similar to what I, what happened to me in the Balkans when I was there for Operation Allied Force, seeing people killing each other over things that seemed would seem very minor to me and you, but they were not, you know, like the number of people that Eustachi killed, right, or you know things like that. And that was my background was foreign affairs, former Yugoslavia. And I said, is this a, applicable to Bigfoot? And but I remember that night before that they, uh, he goes, you're going to be number one worldwide. I said, this is ridiculous. Like you can tell it's a joke. I mean, it's just a tweet anyway. I mean, it's a tweet. He goes, yeah, but his daughter is Olivia Wilde. Her daughter is Olivia Wilde. I said, so? Well, I mean, millions of Twitter followers. But it's, I mean, it's, it's obviously a joke. I mean, it's the same type of disinformation I practiced, you know, when I was an intelligence officer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but it went crazy, you know. And I will tell you, you know, I would like to say on camera that, you know, Stephen Colbert is full of shit, right, to do that to me. And uh, so is Fallon and Kimmel and Saturday Night Live. If they wanted somebody funny, call me, right? Don't use somebody. But, I mean, I got hammered. And, um, you know, I was called a pedophile. Um, I was called all the things that the QAnon people are calling me now. Um, But it was awful. And for me, I thought it was funny, but my family did not think it was quite as funny. And after about 48 hours, it wasn't funny anymore. And that's because I'm telling, you know, finally, the New York Times, I know this is going to shock people, 
but it was the New York Times and the Rolling Stone who actually gave my interview verbatim that stopped it all in its tracks for the press, but not for the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who believed I was actually a Bigfoot erotica devotee. Yeah, once it's out there, it just sort of it's just sort of circles, right? And I still get that today, but I do find it interesting that there's actually now a Bigfoot erotica star in Bigfoot erotica literature named Denver Wiggleman. So I think that I've I actually am now living forever. Right under, you know, under the term wiggle man, right? And of course, that'll be used against me if I were to ever do anything in public office again, this interview. But I don't give a shit because I'm, you know, you get to a point, you're like, I feel like you should get a piece of that, like a finder's fee or like Well, you heard about the, you heard about the Riggleman bump, right? The 8,000% increase in Pornhub searches after, before Bigfoot Erotica, after Bigfoot Erotica came out on Twitter. I'm owed a little bit of money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So we had the Riggleman bump, but the thing is, I, I we joke about it, but at the time, I'm like, this actual disinformation spread by Twitter and actually run by the press is exactly what we did overseas. And it's also interesting to me now that it's the exact same kind of thing that you see with, with conspiracy theories today, this this social contagion that yeah. happens. And, you know, and, and, and in the book, I wanted to get across in a fun way, but it doesn't turn out so fun at the end of the book when you read the whole thing and how I encapsulate it. It's not so funny when it happens to you, or it's not so funny when belief systems are weaponized, yeah. when myth is weaponized or conspiracy theories are weaponized. And whether it's the protocols of the elders of Zion all the way to, you know, Joe Biden had SEAL Team 6 killed. And, and, and it's funny. It's Bigfoot. It is complicated. There's so many different belief systems I mean, you've talked about, and they don't like each other either. Yeah. And uh, that's what's, what's incredible about this. If you believe Bigfoot is just some roaming, massive descendant of, of Homo erectus, I mean, the guys who believe that he's a, you know, some kind of interdimensional long jumper through the harmonic universe is protecting us from the Dracos. I mean, those two people don't like each other very much because it's a big different view of Bigfoot. The politics, like it's, um, it's, it's like it, it insults people who have put sort of an almost religious fervor in this. And I want to get into this. And I, I should point sure. out that, that I, I was not nearly obsessed with Bigfoot as you, but uh, my my top research team has provided me with the cryptozoology A to Z, the encyclopedia of Loch monsters, Sasquatch, Chucacabras, and other mm-hmm. authentic mysteries of nature. Yes, and and I want for for the uninitiated, um, there was in fact in um, and and this is the whole debate. We don't know if if this guy is still around, but there was in fact a ten foot standing ape man, whatever you want to call it. Yep, Giganopithecus blackie. Supposedly extinct, mm-hmm. but you can't prove that either. No. And, you know, and that's the that's the wonderful part of this. I talk about this in the book. I said there's a difference in intelligence work between possibility and probability. And, you know, I said the possibility of Bigfoot existing is always going to be there. Is it probable? No. If you look at the analysis and look at that, it's not probable, but it's possible. And I think that's what I think, again, people will be surprised because you know, I know it's going to shock people right now. I'm not a big believer in Bigfoot, right? That wasn't what this was about. Did I run through the forest wearing a bacon necklace one night for fun? Yes, just to see if Bigfoot would come out, right? But I think... Uh, <laughs> we're we're going we're to do some B-roll for that particular statement. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> My wife just spit out her drink. You know, by the way, you know, and uh, I, I remember... Matt, uh, come on now. You're going to get me laughing about this own dang book I wrote. Um, I'm talking to this person who said she was an amateur primatologist, which I don't know. I also talked to amateur scatologists, right, who told me they were amateur scatologists. I mean, so you look at crap as a volunteer? 
But anyway, so just very odd to me. But anyway, so well, it's better than choosing this profession. <laughs> it's better than being in politics. Yeah, it's better than being a Republican in the Fifth District of and Virginia. Maybe you're a professional skeptician. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so uh, I remember talking to. She goes, she's you know she she likes to you know you know study simians on the side. I don't know. I mean, I wrote a Bigfoot on the book on the side, but she got very angry with me one day, and it's sitting around a fire. This is my second or third expedition with them. And, and she goes, uh, I said, well, why don't you just bait them with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? I mean, they're delicious, right? Everybody wants a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And she got so angry. She goes, no, no, we're not doing this. You know, Bigfoot is gluten, you know, he's gluten intolerant. intolerant. I said, what? How do, how do we, how do you, how do we know? How do you know? And she goes, well, you know, gorillas are gluten intolerant. I'm like, um. Okay, so let me get this. So you're telling me there's this mythical creature because you think it's descended from Gigantopithecus blackie, not Homo erectus, because that's different. And I mean, that's the whole one of the chapters I showed you, I, I showed because Bigfoot believers argue over genital size, right? And, you know, whether it's a, you know, <laughs> what a, I don't even know. This is a family a program. So. It is, well, this is, you know, this is a, an adult travel book for those who are interested in conspiracy theories and Bigfoot's proclivities, you know, to, to abscond with people at night. But um, she got incredibly angry about this gluten allergy. And and we had somebody say at the same campfire, well, you know, we have no proof that the alien greys are gluten intolerant. He's obviously an interstellar traveler. So now I have a real issue. Where do you start the argument, right? I, I don't know where to... I don't know what to do with that argument. And that's almost like politics or almost like conspiracy theories. You're building up a truth based on things that are unprovable. Yeah. And I think that's why that's why they're just so fascinating to me. And if people look up bigfootforums.com, it's not like forums like other things you've heard about in the past when we were young. Um, but bigfootforums.com, there's hundreds of thousands of, of posts on there. And I would humbly submit, I think 10 to 15% of the population, maybe 20% obviously believe Bigfoot's real. I think you're over 50% that they think he might be real. And, you know, that's a massive statistic. I mean, you're talking 150 million people think that there's some large, you know, hairy type of biped whether he's a mystical being, whether he's a Native American myth, whether he's an interstellar traveler or just some kind of lost missing link walking around the woods screaming at people or using infrasound to make them piss themselves. And I, it's, it's tough to prove that. All right. You know? so, I've, so I've been reading and I'm going to push back a little bit here. because <laughs> Which part, Matt, is it, what part are we going to push back on? Infrasound making people piss themselves look, or jumping I, th- I, through dimensions. Look, I, look, I've been on the internet, um, <laughs> but you but you mentioned gorillas, and uh, my crack research team has pointed out to me that the mountain gorilla was a recent discovery in in the, in the context of of human history. It was. Uh, we just didn't know about the mountain gorilla, right? So why don't particularly if we're talking about not Sasquatch but Yeti. Mm-hmm. Which which travels in the Himalayas. It's it's hard to get sure. around up there. It is. Um, it is tough to get around. And up there. <laughs> those guys, I mean, there there could be like sort of uh, this this alternate universe up there, where they're they believe that they're they're You're thinking not kidding. they're thinking big thoughts and yeah, and probably going to solve world peace. I think they can. But let's let's talk about like <laughs> this is important. We need to we need to, to get to the meat of the matter. We need to get to <laughs> the meat of the matter. Um, yes. There, there are those, and and I, I believe there's three categories, but there's probably all sorts of subgenres. There's, there's four major categories I point out, and there's subcategories. I even talk about a fifth category, 
where Bigfoot will attack you with infrasound or terror thoughts. They think that he's evolved over the years to shoot you with like a laser beam of telepathic holy shit to your head, you know, where you want to run screaming through the woods. And also that he uses infrasound to sort of jiggle your insides. Sound odd, but that's really what they think. So there's um, there's people that believe that this is just a natural descendant. It's an animal. It's out there. And, yes. And those may be the most reasonable. Um, I don't know. <laughs> they are. Those are the BEs, the biological entity believers. Yeah. I'm, I'm military, so I put acronym beside yeah. some of these, right? So the BEs believe that it's, and I say simply, it's simply some kind of missing link or it's a descendant of either the ape side or the human side or some kind of mix in between. And I can go into this, but that's why I think one of the most interesting discussions I had on the BEs, the biological entity believers, was somebody telling me that he absolutely can't be a gorilla. And I said, well, you know, explain that to me. He's hairy and seems to like trees and such and, you know, scrapes for berries, you guys say, you know, mostly vegetarian, except for the guys who believe he likes to jump on deer from trees like Rambo. Not not PBJs. Not PBJs because he's gluten intolerant. Yeah. And we don't want a gluten reaction from Bigfoot because it could piss him off right, right when he's coming through your camp. Um, but they said, obviously, he's he's not an ape. And I'm like, why? He goes, well, he's proportionate, you know, and. Gorillas have the you know smallest genitalia in the simian kingdom, so he's obviously a man because people can actually see that he's proportionate anatomically. And I mean that's um so there is a subset, right? There's subsets within subsets, as you said. So so there is an obsession about Bigfoot genitalia. Absolutely, there yeah. is, and and it's also I mean, it's, um, for, it's for science. It is for science. One of the Bigfoot uh, forum top topics, which I thought you would find fascinating, is Bigfoot. Why would he rip out his weenie, right? And I think that's that's pretty much sort of encapsulates, I think, the entire portion of that Bigfoot belief system. We're going to subject this show to a heavy edit. <laughs> heavy edit. Well, that's a, I'm this. I'm just being having journalistic integrity. I know you're just about forums. So um, you're not telling people what to believe. You're just putting. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. So, but the BEs are crazy, you know, with that kind of argument. But they seem to be the most reasonable. Yeah, and then there's the the mind control. Bigfoot. There's the Quaventalure, yeah. which actually can interdimensionally long jump, right? If you want to read the Voyagers, I think it's by Ashiana Deanne. Um, the Bigfoot is here to protect us from the other 12-strand DNA beings that are stacked in the harmonic universe trying to take over our world, I think, in the 264-million-year war between us and them um, through the uh, dimensions. But, uh, you know, Bigfoot is here to protect us from the Dracos and also, as you know, the some of those higher beings used the chupacabra, created the chupacabra, and used dinosaurs for lookouts. And a lot of people believe that. And um, so that would be the the uh, mystical being who can also give you prophecies if you'd like. Hmm. You can pray to Bigfoot, almost like a, a hirsute deity, uh, a deity. Um, you can pray to him like a god, and he will give you answers based on the fact that he sees all things simultaneously based on his ability to look through dimensions. But that Bigfoot is still an earthly being? No. That Bigfoot actually can appear or leave at will. Um, and since he has multiple DNA strands, um, you know, he's, he's, he's figured out how to manipulate time and space, obviously. Yeah. So, uh, um, so yeah, that's a Quaventalore. And by the way, I, I had a, a guy come to my house who said he had a prophecy that we had a spirit in our house. This is in the book. And that Bigfoot needed to purge that spirit and uh, came in there and did purge that spirit after we had a big bowl of chili. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's another belief system. Yeah. And, you know, as you point out in the book, people passionately believe these things. And, 
And and I, I was thinking about this just in the context of of, of belief systems, as you say, and mm-hmm. and passions that people have. And you, you have an unhealthy passion for Bigfoot. Um, I, I would say research would say for research, and I think it is unhealthy. <laughs> but I think part of that passion did come from service. And and I know this sounds incredible, but when I was um, there's a certain incident I had in, in Romania in a town called Craiova. Um, where I saw something so awful based on a belief system um, concerning a very small child uh, that stuck with me. And I wondered, with the horror of it, why would people believe this? Yeah. And this book really started, you know, when I jotted notes about the certain types of people that I met. But it really it really started to roll heavy, I think, uh, 2007, 2006, 2007, when we were tracking Soleimani. Um, from Iraq, I mean, from Iran into Iraq. <clears throat> and uh, and I started really thinking, like, what, why why these belief systems? Why conspiracies? Why all this? And and it really, that book, it's an unhealthy fascination with how people think yeah. and, and why they believe what they believe. Well, I, was, I, I don't have an answer for this, but there's, there's healthy belief systems and then there's mm-hmm. unhealthy belief systems. And then there's belief systems that allow demagogues and tyrants to to get us to kill each other that's where and that's that's, that's what you scare people that's what you're talking about yes um and and i don't know where that line is and i i have a generally libertarian attitude about right. about knowledge and what people believe and that that this stuff can work itself out over right. time and and i sort of believe that there's a um there's a getting at truth that we get to when when people are sort of free to to pursue the, the craziest theories that they want. Yes, and I'm okay with it. I mean, if you believe that, you, if you want to worship a head of lettuce and you believe that somehow gives you insight into the Holy of Holies, freaking go for it, right? I think it's when, what I find interesting is when people actually get angry about something that is in the possible and not in the probable. Yeah. Um, and I and I think, again, this is not a book where I say there's no Bigfoot. And I hope people, and I think when they read it, it's like, oh shit, man, this guy. He's not saying there's no Bigfoot. He's just saying that why do belief systems need to get violent or why are these belief systems about charlatans or the grift, yeah. right? And all of these things, I think, are what really encompass, you know, dangerous conspiracy theories. And Matt, I wish I knew where that line was sometimes, um, but I saw that line starting to get blurred when I was doing the research here. And I saw that line obviously blurred in the former Yugoslavia, and I saw that line blurred in the Middle East. Yeah. So it's, that's that's a, the issue. I mean, it's a nice metaphor because there's there's sort of uh, Bigfoot tourists who are, are really just having a good time. There's those, um, yeah. And then there's true believers, and then there's grifters, and it, it seems like a good metaphor for politics, actually. There is, you know, you got true believers, you got grifters, and you know, I talk about the EL in this book, which somebody said Randy, Mc, you know, what is it? Randy McBride should play the expedition leader in this book, but uh, you know, what I'm looking at is that I paid to do this. I think my wife and I paid $2,000 a piece to go on this Bigfoot expedition in a public park where we had some reservists. He said he was a military reservist using a four-foot stick to say, this is how you tell the gate of a Bigfoot from footfoot to foot footprint. I, what? You know, I, so we just had some weird things happening there. Um, but again, I think, it, um, I think it comes down to, I just don't know, just when you're talking to the Bigfoot individuals, and I, and I know I'm having a segue here, when you're talking to these individuals, and if you prove something without a shadow, that, like you're just like, this can't happen because of this, um, they automatically get angry. Yeah. And I saw that, a real anger. I mean, we're talking about Bigfoot, right? 
you know, I had one individual tell me, you got to have faith. You know, no, I don't. Like, no, actually, you're talking about an eight-foot tall being that smells like, that can actually, by the way, I don't know if you know this, Bigfoot can also emit a very specific odor to drive you away, sort of like a skunk, like the world's biggest skunk. You believe that's happening, and he throws rocks at you, and he tears off the heads of squirrels and puts them in, 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 in on your porch to tell you he loves you. And so I'm just supposed to take that as faith? No. Tell me why Bigfoot rips the heads off of squirrels. I really want to know, right? Well, we don't know. It's just we think it's a, a sign of love. Yeah. I said, oh, so sort of like your cat dragging in a, a mouse. Is yeah. that? And they're like, yeah, exactly. And I'm, what do you mean exactly, you know? So, I mean, I think... Again, I think when I'm talking about these belief systems, I want people to laugh their ass off, sure. But but there's there's a time when myth is weaponized and myth is and myth becomes dangerous. And and I've seen it. And I but I've seen it for real. And I I wrote a funny book that by the end you're like maybe maybe I should be scared a little. Yeah. So this is uh, we're actually recording this the day before the election. Yeah. We're not going to talk about presidential politics at all and we're just uh, hoping and praying that our houses and our country is still standing after this election is over. Yes. Um, we should toast to that. Toast. Cheers. Cheers to the country standing. Yes. Um, and it strikes me that, and, and maybe this was always the case, and I, th- I think uh, social media is probably, uh, I don't like the word weaponized, but it's it's sort of exaggerated these these tendencies that we have to sort of ignore facts and focus on sort of emotional attachment or belief systems and and you see that um in my view I'm, I'm sort of obsessed about about the lockdowns and how sort of anti-science they seem to be we've right. never done this before and there's very there's scant scientific evidence that this is actually a healthy thing and that that doesn't even get into the trade-offs of that but it seems to be a religious system and it seems like you either believe it or you don't believe it, and and either side on on those fringes is is sort of passionately like they don't really care about the facts. No, and I'm looking at the graphs, and I'm looking at the data, and I'm looking at the history of, of pandemics, and I'm trying to honestly understand what the what the what the trade offs are, the health trade offs, the economic trade offs. Um, but I think that's weird. Like I th- I think the fact that I sort of try to seek out facts is is not normal for a human being. I'm an economist, not a human being. Um, but what do we do with that? Because why like, would you seek out facts, Matt, <laughs> when you could be one part of one tribe or the other? Yeah. Why would you do that? You know, you just talked about not seeking out facts as emotional thing. I had sent a letter that I know nobody read, but up to the National Command Authority, and I said, "Hey, why don't we use data? Right? We can all say probably should wear a mask in a nursing home. Let's do that." Um, what if we had data-driven analytics on the places that have the least contagion and the most contagion and let those places stay open as far as business? Because, you know, government has this tendency to kill a mosquito with a sledgehammer, right? There's no subtlety to it. There's no nuance. There's no data-driven stuff, real science behind it. And I've seen that in Virginia. I've seen that, you know, by the way, I mean, you know, I can say this. Um, I received two letters anonymously uh, from the food safety sort of commissar of Virginia, saying that we weren't holding to the COVID um, guidelines enough. I'm like, where did it come from? Well, it's anonymous. It's from the snitch hotline. You know, we were kids. It was snitches get stitches, right? But, um, you know, it's from the snitch hotline. And I think I think what you're saying, Matt, that I, I've, said to, I've said both sides. Let's be data-driven. We should open some places up. Well, you're a murderer. Well, we should probably wear a mask at a nursing home. 
well, you're a piece of crap because you're getting a right way of our freedom. And you're right. There's no, there seems like there's no ability to say, well, how do we look at data at both things? What if we did that? And I've tried to be that way. I have been that way. And that's gotten me in a bit of trouble because it seems like I piss off the fringes um, that seem to be the ones that really bubble up on social media. Yeah. And I've had that unique ability to to make everybody angry the last two years and to do some great things because of it. But to make people angry because I'm like, that's not even how an analyst, that's not even how a guy would look at it looking at the numbers. They yeah. wouldn't look at it that way. That just doesn't make sense. And you could get in a lot of trouble from your tribe, you know, if you step over that line. That's a great segue to where I want to go next because we've we've been talking about potentially mythical creatures. Yes, is we're, I'm not I'm not denying Bigfoot, by the way, because you refuse to deny that there's a government file. But um, <laughs> well, I don't want to alienate any Bigfoot voters if I'm going to run in the future. And right. there's a huge hidden majority out there. Yeah, there's a, there's a there's there's a swing vote. <laughs> there's a swing um, vote. Well, let's go back to Bigfoot erotica. Yeah. <laughs> but now I've even forgotten what I was going to ask. <laughs> The, so that there's this there's this mythical creature in American politics called the independent. Oh, it's mythical. Yeah, and I feel like I am one. And I'm I'm saying this as a as a libertarian that that has predicted for years that that the upside of social media and the democratization of knowledge that that somehow the two party duopoly was going to finally face competition. And, right. and I was predicting the emergence of third and fourth and fifth parties. And all that stuff, and I, I still believe that that is true. There's there's all sorts of, of legal barriers to entry erected by those two parties, um, but you are um, you're flirting with a independent run for governor in Virginia. I am, um, and and I, and we probably need to take a step back to to explain why it is that you will not be a congressman next yeah. term. You were. Um, caught red-handed <laughs> residing <laughs> over caught over the marriage of two men yeah. who happened to be friends and, and oh. staffers of yours. Yeah, they helped so much. Um, yeah. Part of your family. Love and them. this yeah. was this was so outrageous to um, a small what what appears to be a fairly small but motivated faction of conservative Christian activists in mm -hmm. your district. Tell that story sure. because it's it, it sort of gets to the question of, of can there be independence? Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, I the next book I'm writing, I'm, I'm writing a couple, but the next one is called The Accidental Congressman, right? Because, uh, you know, I was called at my distillery. I was a senior consultant then, Matt, at the Pentagon for electronic warfare and countermeasures and uh, also for holistic network modeling, right? So probably now people understand why I wrote this book, right? Um, so, um Got a phone call, and I won this bizarre one-vote um, committee vote because the guy before me got out because of alcoholism, which is ironic. I own a distillery, but that's probably another show. <laughs> but so – and who I beat was somebody who was so far right and really considers themselves a dominionist um, that I came in as a guy who even when they asked me, are you an evangelical Christian? I'm like, it's none of your business, but I'm not. I mean, you know, and I'm saying things that I know makes Republican consultants squirm, right? I, I, I believe something looked out for me a few times in, in places that were awful, but I'm not a, I'm just not a, I'm not that, right? And I think part of this too, I was, I was raised LDS, right? And, you know, I'm not really practicing anything. I was raised LDS and my grandparents were Southern Baptist and, you know, I had a bizarre upbringing. And, you know, so, um, so I thought, well, goodness, I won by one vote, so I must have a mandate. 
but so I'm gonna I'm gonna do exactly what I think I should do is the right thing. So I'm I'm taking votes. I'm doing my thing, and then the and 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 Alex and Rick they come and said Denver, you know, would you marry us? I'm like sure. I I honestly it wasn't like um like I'm like oh hmm, my political future hmm what do I do here? If I was thinking about my political future, I would never never marry them in that specific district. Um, but I married them in an incredible ceremony. So I officiated a, a same-sex wedding. The issue that I had wasn't just a same-sex wedding, though, when I went to Southside. The fact is it was an interracial same-sex wedding. Um, and I think that's the thing that really surprised me was that. Um, and also, as you know, I have a stance on marijuana that doesn't really align uh, with Republicans. By the way, I'm growing hemp right now. So I think those things... Really, in your stance is, is got other sta- decriminalize got other it, get out of it. Yeah, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Yeah, I mean, I listen. I mean, we're to a point. I mean, I make liquor for God's sakes, Matt. I mean, it's a controlled substance right here. And it's a good one. But I think that um, I think that's why I'm saying, listen, you know, this is ridiculous. And 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 people are like, well, Denver, you know, it's a gateway drug. I, I had somebody on the floor tell me, like, Denver. You know, you're so full of crap. You know, you just want kids to get on heroin and, and you guys, you want them to get on cocaine and you want them to smoke crack. And I'm like, no, man, I just don't want a guy who has a, a joint, you know, to, to go to jail for something that is no, I and, and I know this is scientifically, it, it is not worse than what we're drinking now, brother. It's just not. Right. Um, but when I did that same-sex wedding, I officiated it. I think I made a big mistake in the political world, and that's in a radio interview. I said, if they want to come after this libertarian, this guy who's liberty-minded, they can pack a lunch. And and they certainly took that seriously. <laughs> and um, I will tell you this. I was sitting with my wife, Christine, who you know well, and one of the most amazing women in my life and, and everything. And we're sitting there. She goes, honey, you know this. You're done. I mean, if you do this wedding, it's okay, baby. I, I support you, but you're done politically. And I said, it's okay. I said, you know, if I'm done politically because I officiate a same-sex wedding between two people who love each other, then then so be it. And um, But, you know, and, and I'm gonna I want to make this confession now. I didn't really believe it. Yeah. You know, I thought, I thought that just my incredible charisma and good looks. You know, I'm sort of the chubby Tom Cruise of Congress, right? But I, I honestly thought with policy and trying to, and, and I kept telling people, you're allowed to live the way you want to live. My job is to protect. I can't say I'm an evangelical Christian. I'm not. That's a lie. I, 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 but I also can't say that I think that you guys should direct how people live. I'm not gonna let that can't happen. You know? Yeah. It can't happen, Matt. And, and and that cost because I refused. So here's what happened. The committee member said, hey, if you pay us, we're not, you're not going to have a, a an opponent. I refused to pay off the committee members, and I committed and, and I committed the ultimate sentence of officiating a same-sex wedding because I refused to pay off these people for graft, too, because they're grifters. And, you know, if there's something I despise, right, is this sort of this underbelly of grifting that's just the person that they want to latch on to or the fact that I refuse to pay them knowing that they would never have any audience with me. It's very difficult when you saw, call me a baby-killing sodomite or call me a fag lover, right, or say that I'm the tool of the Antichrist. That's what I was called. My wa- wife was called the spawn of Satan, and I figured with me being the tool of the Antichrist and her being the spawn of Satan, we're the new power couple of Virginia, right? right. But, um, so, but I think that's the issue that we have is that it's very difficult, Matt, to be to say I'm Virginia Republican, I'm GOP, when I think we have a party that's just small enough to fit in the bedroom right now, and I, it's hard. I it's it's almost makes me nauseous to think that I would have to go to some committee and say, "Hey guys, yeah, I did this." Like you are evil, you're awful. You know, we might hold our nose and and vote for you 
because we want a Republican to win. And I'm like, what kind of tribal ridiculousness have I got myself into? Yeah. I feel like you're, um, you're sort of a bellwether for a lot of Americans. I mean, you, you have some libertarian instincts, but, but you're not a libertarian. You're an independent. You, I, I'm not a libertarian. You, or you're trying to figure out what the hell you are. I you're, really am because, you know, I wasn't in politics, man. I mean, you've had that discussion. You know, somebody's like, Denver, I'm really happy with you sometimes. And sometimes, you know, I want to throat punch you, you know. And I think a lot of it has to do with my background in the military and what I saw overseas sort of. You know, I'm a I'm a China hawk because I see I, I've seen what China's done. I've been in South America. I've seen what they've done as far as the debt trap they're putting countries into. So I have this, I have this bizarre sort of, I'm so libertarian on the social side. Like I don't give a rat's, you know. But when it comes to sort of us playing in sort of the world hegemonic games, I'm like, we better or we're going to be fighting wars on our soil. And it's sort of the counterterrorism slant too. Um, and I love having those discussions in a very positive way, and I do right. Whether it would be with a Justin or with a Massey or with the people that I talk to and somebody like, Denver, you're so full of crap, man, on FISA. And I'm like, yeah, but there's this. And, you know, and, um, you know, Jim Jordan and even Jim came up with stuff. And so I've always been very specific about how I argue that. And I think they appreciated that honesty. Right. I never hid. Um, But so I'm almost like this. I don't know what I am, man. You know, I just want to do what's best for the Americans at that time based on whatever we have in front of us. And it. I don't know if that makes me cut out for politics or not. And 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 I don't know if I am. I mean, to be honest with you. Well, and that's that's sort of the question. Can can an independent or a third or fourth party um, thrive in in a system that has gotten so tribal and so angry? Like whatever happens tomorrow, and I'm not going to make any predictions because right. I try not to look like an ass when I when I can help it. But there, <laughs> I it, is, failed it is it is it is <laughs> Well, I'm learning from you. I've seen, I wait till you do something and then I'm like, I'm not going to do that. But, That's a good plan. My yeah. wife does the same thing. Yeah. But yeah. like you have this, this, this tribal election where virtually no one is voting for their guy. No, they're not. They're all like voting against those guys because those guys are awful. They're going to destroy America. Yeah. You're a fascist or a Marxist. Yeah. And, and I feel like there's probably a lot of us that are neither a fascist or a Marxist. <laughs> it's so true. I'm hoping. <laughs> I hope it's and true. and we're 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 registering as independents. We're registering as libertarians. We're we're looking for a place where I don't really care who you marry as long as you don't hurt me or take my stuff. Which is a fantastic book, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it's a uh, it's, it's a bestseller. So it. <laughs> No, no pressure. We'll no see. No pressure. My we'll God, see. no pressure. Big, you know, I don't know if I'm going to match that because it, it was a great book. This was something. There's a couple things, Matt. I should have taken your advice uh, at the beginning, and I'm not kidding about that. Um, as soon as it, this came out on Bigfoot Rocky, you said release your book. Yeah. This has been done since 2018, and this is the book that I was accused of for Bigfoot Rocky. This is the book, and I went again. And I read that draft, and it's essentially the same draft. Same, same with, draft with an update at the end. It's an update at yeah. the end and the beginning. That's it. And the beginning is thanking my Democratic opponent for introducing me to Bigfoot erotica, right? And making, you know, Pornhub a lot of money. Um, but I think, um, I think I think I should have done it then. And, I, you know, I go back on it. You know why I didn't do it? Because my consultants told me not to. And I right. love them. God love them. Like, Denver, you you got such a bright future. Why would you release this? People are going to make fun of you forever. Even though this book is not about Bigfoot erotica. That's the other one with Denbar Wiggleman. Right, that's the Bigfoot erotica star, right? This is Denver Riggleman, right? And 
You know, and I said, I got to release it. And even now, people beg me not to release this book. They're like, even though it's about conspiracy theories, even though you're outspoken about QAnon, you're outspoken about these, the coded language and memes that are now using by, used by the far left for command and control, um, you, you're doing the analytics. Please, God, don't release this because we think you could be governor, man. We think you can go further one day because people love you. You're charismatic. I'm like, oh, so here's here's the thing. And, 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 and you know what? They're probably right. If, if, you know, this book is not called The Hope of Our Fathers. This right. is called Bigfoot, It's Complicated. Right. Right? But when you read this, it should give you hope that people can sort of get, get beyond this conspiracy mindset. But the issue I'm having is that I had to do this. I had to do it. And I'm pissed. I had to do this because there's so much disinformation about me. The same thing that you see with conspiracy theories, the thing, same thing you see with tribes. I should have released this book. And I'm angry today that I was... I don't want to say it was cowardly. I thought I was doing this professional thing. Yeah. You know, like, oh, you know, Denver, release the accidental congressman. Denver, you know, release QAnon and me, like Marley and me. But, you know, release QAnon, you know, do this, right? But but not Bigfoot. Com- I'm like, but guys, this book is now. Mm-hmm. This is what's happening, right? They had disinformation. I had people calling my freaking home phone telling me I must love little children because she put out something saying I like Bigfoot erotica. Oh, and I was a Nazi, right? Right. After fighting against ethnic cleansing in Kosovo, right? Right. Um, just ridiculous stuff. And I'm like, this is, how dare her? How dare her? And I'm like, well, damn, how dare me, right? You know? And I think I think that bothers me. It bothers me that, that I didn't do it then. It bothers me that now, what if I got in front of that curve where would I be? But I still would have. I still would have officiated that marriage, Matt. I, I, I still would have told people to pound sand. I still would have told people their marijuana is not the biggest threat to America. It's probably other things. I, I hate to tell you. You know, we got other issues like domestic terrorism and stuff. Now that's really shitty, right? Yeah. So, and that's why I think I'm a little bit. I'm excited, but I'm also a little bit angry at myself because I should have followed the advice of people who actually cared about me. And not cared about what a political career looked like, and right. I think that's the difference. Well, let, let's talk about those incentives because I, you know, I used to work on the Hill, and I watched, uh, um, and this is before this is when Bigfoot was still a baby. By the way, um, I'm that old, but <laughs> but I sort of watched. Um, and if if you want to be a reformer, you got to yeah. do what you did. You actually actually either have to run, you have to go work there. Uh, my libertarian friends that sort of frown on people that that step into the arena. Um, don't understand that unless you understand how the, the decision-making actually works, right. you, you can't actually try to fix it. And I don't have any silver bullet solutions. But the institutional incentives for everyone to fall in line and join yeah. their team Goodness. and to constantly take a dive. Because yep. um, I remember, like, we, we did this, uh, we started this series with you called The Freshman. And, it's beautiful. And... The, the idea was to, to watch this sort of bright-eyed, bushy-tailed freshman come in and I'm like, I'm going to balance the budget and I'm going to rein in government and, and we're going to do all this stuff. And it sort of screeched to a halt. People have no idea. They, they, they have no idea. Um, you know, the first thing is your dues, right? Get an A committee. And uh, I got an A committee. And it's all for sale. It's all for sale, right? Your dues are... You know, as a freshman, your dues are only two hundred fifty-five thousand dollars, right? 
prepared, right? That's it. And you got an A committee because you were one of the few bright spots in I was. otherwise dismal GOP performance. Geo, dismal. I was the only one to win a competitive district. I won it by over the, the margin of R plus six. People are like, Denver, you're the future of the party, right? And, you know, and I'm sitting there, Matt, 1,400 people in a church parking lot, and they're yelling fag lover at me from their freaking windows. That's where, that's where I went, right? Because I officiated that same-sex wedding. You know, here I am, you know, 100 heritage score, you know, people are like, God, man, his votes are great. You know, he does great. So every now and then he goes sideways on foreign policy or the military, you know, because he thinks that, you know, he votes like a rhino when it comes to funding the military. But, you know, what? he voted really we'll, good. We'll talk here. about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about, <laughs> you know, what's a rhino anyway? I'm certainly a Republican in name only because I'm so damn independent, right? Um, I don't think that's even a bad thing anymore. I mean, if you're a Republican in name only and, and you're against people, you know, living the way they want to live, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a Republican. But... I think what happened was you immediately, once you get on financial services, you know, my background, as you know, as a CEO, I did some cool things. The pressure, you know, and I'm like, I'm immune to pressure. You know, Matt, I'm a, man, I'm a self-made guy. I don't need this paycheck. The pressure is this. Here's the pressure. You want to, well, you know this. I'm not telling you anything. Well, Denver, you know, you just follow the team on this vote. Next time, you know, we got your six. We got you. But we, we really need your yes vote now. So, Denver, you're so damn independent, we're going to put you on the whip team. Holy shit, man. I'm a freshman on the whip team. Oh, dang, I'm cool. You know, Denver, we're putting you on the AIML working group because you're background intelligence, artificial intelligence, machine learning working group. Man, mm, I must be the man, right? And what they're doing, you know, and, and God bless them, what they're doing is they're actually absorbing you. You right. know, you know you're being absorbed, right? So, and that's the thing that You that become I, part of the machine. You, you have to. Because if you don't become part of the machine, all of a sudden, your bills aren't getting through the committee chair, right? Or, you know what? You know, we were, you know, we, we think you've already sort of made, you know, all of a sudden your check that comes from the frickin' NRCC might be a little bit lower. Right. Right? Well, wait a minute. I got 28000 last time. Why is everybody getting, why am I getting 13000 And so. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've talked to members who um, um, vote wrong on some big bill and there's well, always I a did. there's always a big bill and, oh yeah and they're like uh your money's gonna dry up oh yeah we're not gonna help you in your next election did, yeah did you have that experience the experience i had was um this this thing when we talk about cold of personality and uh boy i'm gonna get a lot in a tro- lot of trouble in this interview so we might as well you know don't go against the big man whether you're right or wrong big man's gonna he's gonna get you yeah. Who's the big man? It's President Trump. Right. Right? Listen, don't go against him on this vote. I know we probably should, but don't do it because, man, you're you're a fast mover, man. You're leadership material. Right? And it got to the point, you know, just like with the, the same-sex wedding, it took me about seven or eight months. Man, honestly, I took votes I, could, I would take back in a heartbeat. And nobody wants to say that, right? Well, I read – I did. I, I read bills. I do. And, you know, there's some things you're like, well, shite. You know, going back, looking back three months later, you're like, eh. Maybe, you know, was I caught up in the talking points based coming from the WIP team or coming from the leadership team or the NRCC conference, right? Was that, you know, did I get caught up in the talking points? No. I read something. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it said because I have above an eighth grade reading level, right? But they're saying that really means this, right? Huh. And I'm on the whip team now. I want to, I love being on the whip team. I can talk anybody, you know, I can talk an Eskimo into buying an ice box. So, you know, I, this is what I need to do. Um, this is great. And you start to actually lose 
it takes you about 17 minutes to lose while you actually wanted to run in the first place. And why did I run? I hated friggin' regulations. I hated bullies. And why would I become the very thing I hated just because I think I had to win to become the thing that I didn't want to, that, that I wanted to help with? And you're like, well, winning, winners make history. That's what, that's what the leadership tells you, right? Who cares? You know, 50% of the votes, who cares if you agree with them, man? Winners make history. You want to you want to pick one or two things to do great at. The other stuff is slough, man. It's slough. It sucks. And you know, and I and I and 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 I really think, you know, I I thought that I was this high IQ guy. You know, there's no way I could be swayed. I'm Air Force intelligence for God's sake. I'm a CEO. I'm the man. And I got more humbled in these two years than I've ever been humbled in my life. And um, it taught me a lot. So how does a guy like you? Or the next guy like you that that wants to run into the meat grinder, um, how can you be more independent? You have to run that way. There's no other. Re- there's no other way. You got to be brave enough to say I'm not doing it. It's not about me making. And that's dumb, right? It's so dumb, right? We got a two party system that's been here forever, and you know you have this stupid cat who knows how to play the game, refuse to do it. You know, and I'm talking about myself. I refused to play the game with the local committees because I thought they were corrupt. And I thought, to be honest with you, I thought that they were about had the IQ of a box of hammers. Right. And I'm over here trying to play a big boy game while I'm trying to play the committee game. Right. And trying to balance that and trying to make them happy and them happy and that guy happy and that guy happy. And when I make a fundraising phone call, Matt, right. I'm here to protect the republic against the socialists coming, you know, the NRC. I'm like, this isn't me, right? You have to run that way. You got to run as a, as, as really, as a liberty-minded asshole. <laughs> we have our title. That's the only way to do it. You, yeah. you, you have to, you, you can't listen to every person who wants to make a little bit, and even people I love, God dang, I love them. They've been with me since the beginning, but they're, they got to, that's their job. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not mine. I don't need this. I don't need to rack and stack and go up from, from bottom to top, you know, work my way up. I'm not even wired that way. F, that's not the American way. American way isn't fit into a gap all the way up the ladder. The American way is go in there and swing the baseball bat and kick the shit out of somebody. And I, and I thought I was, but I wasn't because you're still in a two party system. And if somebody is not, and you can't, when I say liberty-minded asshole, I'm not talking about somebody who is actually just like, oh, you don't like that? Screw you. Er, you know, I'm not talking about three stooges hurting people, right? I'm, I'm talking about you got you to gotta be like, no, you know, we can't do that. And people are going to destroy you. And I've been there. I've been there. That same sex wedding, I got destroyed by my party. I got absolutely eviscerated. I got run over the coals. I got called everything you can imagine. And so did those guys I married. And I think if you're not that, what I've learned is that I didn't know shit, right? That I that that wasn't me. And I you can't change it from the inside. The only way we beat the Taliban was bombing them from the outside, right? And and that's the thing, right? We collapsed their caves, and I, you got to collapse the caves of those people who are stuck in them. And I, it's the only way I know. And and I learned a valuable lesson about myself, and I think that's the most humbling thing. And I wish I could have a statesman-like answer like, well, you know, with the, uh, with the GDP, I saw that we were spending too much. No, you have to be a person that says, I care more about people than I do about party. And I think if you do that, maybe you can make a difference. And that's why 
I think people are terrified that I'm going to run as an independent. I had the Republican chairman of the Virginia party say, Denver, for the love of God, please don't run. You're going to destroy us. Who's us? You? A paycheck? You want to get reelected as a party chairman? You know? I'd rather be freaking slinging drinks at a Sonic drive-thru, right? Not that there's anything wrong with slinging drinks at a Sonic drive-thru. So, I mean, that I think that's the issue. And, I mean, listen, that just came to me. I, I don't. I, you you got to be that. I, I just, if, if you're not brave enough to do that, then run as a Republican or Democrat. That's I, all I got. I'm almost sad that we got away from Bigfoot, but I'm going to leave it right there because that's pretty awesome. So thank you, Denver. And uh, Thanks. Bigfoot, uh, it's complicated. He's a liberty-minded where, where do we get, <laughs> where do we get, like, like, like this is going to be right up there with the wealth of nations. <laughs> And maybe Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> Atlas Shrugged on the new Ayn Rand of hirsute beings. Yeah. That's great. You know, it's Bigfoot, just like Atlas Shrugged, but Bigfoot lives by its hair. own ego. Yeah. I don't know. Is that am I close? <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, and I read Atlas Shrugged and Fountainhead, obviously. But, you know, I think um, I think I wrote this book. One of it's for honor, um, even though the F word is probably used 50 times in this book. Uh, but I think the other thing is, you know, People need to realize that your belief system is yours, but people can't take it from you. They, they, you can't weaponize it either. You can't, you can't make it bad, you know. And God, that's so simplistic. But damn it! And if you don't have people willing to step up and say that is wrong, that's not what we are. I think we sort of lose who we are as Americans. And if I lose every time running independent libertarian, or everybody wants me to run as this new Republican, uh, but if I lose every time running as an independent or whatever. And it's because I refuse to bow or kiss the ring. Freaking, I'm happy, brother. F them. And the thing is, is that I don't need them anyway. I'll just keep fighting in my own fight. So anyway. Bigfoot, it's complicated. A congressman and former intelligence officer explores <laughs> the politics of true believers. Bigfoot and otherwise. Amazon.com. Thank you, brother. Cheers. Cheers. I'm, Cheers. I'm oh, out God, are you out? I'm out, yeah. My God. Well, you Sorry. know what? That means it was good. Yeah. Bigfoot doesn't drink, by the way. He's gluten algae. Thanks for watching Kibbe on Liberty. By now, you know this is the most important event of your week. So make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Click the little bell so you get notifications. Kibbe on Liberty, mostly honest conversations with mostly interesting people.